You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am David Harrison, your host for today's episode. I know you're not used to hearing me on Wednesday. Usually this is crossover Wednesday, but because the team is on a bye, there is no team to cross over with, so we're not doing crossover this week, obviously. So you're going to have to listen to me as James is getting the night off to uh, take in some some much-needed family time after I was absent for both Monday and Tuesday's episodes. And, of course, a uh, big shout-out to Bailey Adams of BucksNation.com for covering it, covering down for me. I greatly appreciate it. I think he did a great job. I, I listened to the episode just like you guys did, and I feel like they said a lot of good things and made a lot of good points. So um, not all is lost, however. We do have someone that is going to be joining me here in just a minute, and uh, he's he's much more knowledgeable on, on what's going on with the Buccaneers. He's much more respected in the field. Um, you guys are going to love it, so just bear with me here. But before we move into that, it's kind of an interesting situation. So I've been gone uh, all weekend, uh, you know, had some, some some family things going on that I had to take care of and a lot of time on the road driving, you know, between uh, New York and Ohio and so on and so forth. And it prevented me from watching the game in real time and prevented me from, you know, being on the podcast for Monday and Tuesday and sharing my thoughts with you guys. So um, I'm back now. I've watched the game, even though a lot of people told me not to. Uh, I still went ahead and watched the game, and yeah, it's it's pretty much what you guys were all saying it was and what these guys were saying it was, but I do have some thoughts of my own, so I thought I would share them with you, put them on record so that you can, you know, call me out on them later or, you know, whatever, however you decide to use them. Uh, so first things first, Jameis Winston, right? Obviously, you know, especially that first pass of the game, you, you just can't do that. It's just, that's not something you can do as a quarterback, uh, trying to get your team, you know, back onto a winning way, trying to continue this back and forth of winning, losing, winning, losing, and now you're looking to get the win out of, you know, following the loss. You can't start the game off with an interception, especially an interception that puts the opposing team automatically in scoring position because exactly what's going to happen, uh, just like Rich Eyes, and I, I think it was uh, on, on the broadcast said, is that you've taken literally almost no time off the clock. You've only run one play, and the Carolina Panthers have the ball. And they're getting the ball again to start the second half. So basically, the Panthers get to start both halves with the ball. And, oh, by the way, they get to start the first one in scoring position at the Tampa Bay 29. So not not much better of a situation. I think the only other situation that the Panthers could have gotten out of that whole exchange uh, that benefited them more would have been a pick six. You know what I mean? If Yeah, if Bradbury would have been able to take it back for, for a touchdown, that's the only other way this thing turns out even better. As it were, though, the, the Buccaneers' defense came on and they, they answered the bell, right? Four plays the Carolina Panthers ran, including the field goal, negative two yards, total offense, three points. So after a minute 40, we've got an interception, we've got a field goal for the Carolina Panthers, and the Buccaneers have the ball back. Of course, they do nothing with it. And by the time we get to the end of the first quarter, uh, it's 10 nothing Carolina, and it's been a, a very ugly offensive performance. Um now, I will say this. I do agree with some – there are some people out there talking about, you know, James Winston's interceptions and all that stuff and and kind of using it as a totality thing, you know, the five interceptions in totality. 
I don't necessarily put the blame. You know, the quarterback gets all the interceptions, no matter what. Jameis said the same thing in his in his post game press conference that he throws the ball. So if it gets intercepted, that's his interception. He takes responsibility for it. He's not putting that on Mike. He's not putting it on anybody else. And I respect that of him. But being out here, we get to look at it from the outside. We get to say, well, you know, these certain things happen. These extenuating circumstances existed. So maybe we don't blame Jameis so much for him, even though the ball did come out of his hand, of course. And again, I go back to I had the opportunity to interview a college receiver back in the day. This was, you know, years and years ago before I was ever covering the Buccaneers. And I asked him a question. I said, you know, do you feel like there should be a stat for wide receivers where, you know, the situation, you kind of look at OJ uh, in, in, against San Francisco where the ball hits you in the hands. You just don't do your job and the ball ends up intercepted. So that interception goes to you instead of going to uh, the quarterback or maybe even adopt a baseball type of system where, you know, it's considered an error. So it's not an earned run. It's not an earned interception. It's, you know, I don't know how what the perfect system would be. And that wide receiver basically said, he basically said, did I throw the football? <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. Five interceptions. But, yeah, the one, uh, he's, he's got the ball. You know, he's, he's throwing the ball, and uh, the defender comes in, hits him on the arm. There's not really a whole lot any quarterback is going to do in that situation. Tom Brady, Drew Brees are still going to throw a duck in that situation. And if the defender's in the right place, makes the right break on it, reacts quick enough, they're going to intercept it, and that's exactly what happened. To yeah, third interception early in the second half. Again, just another pass that you just you just can't make as uh, starting quarterback. Again, the very first play of that possession, and you're giving the ball right back to the Carolina Panthers, and you're giving it to them in scoring position uh, with with the lead already. And again, you're in the second half, so just a terrible terrible thing there. No zero excuses there for for James. You, you just can't make those plays, especially as a fifth year quarterback, especially with an offense coordinator who knows how to tell you to read the field. He knows how to tell you to read defense because he did it. He he did it for years. He was very successful in this scheme, in this system, with his language. This is a guy who's speaking to you from experience. You cannot go out there and make that throw and turn that ball over that way. The one to Chris Godwin, the one that was intended for Chris Godwin, rather, uh, you know, this this might be where some of us kind of differ. Um, I don't know. Like, I have to go back and look at the All-22. I have not done that yet. I've only had time to watch the broadcast film i wanted to watch the broadcast just because that's how everybody else watched it i wanted to watch it the same way so i can come at you on even ground i'll go back and watch all 22 again we've got a bye week so we've got more than enough time to pick this thing apart and pick the the other five games apart too if we want to in the moment i kind of looked at it oh man you know that's terrible but it's fourth down you're trying to make a play and let's be honest man mike had already had some big drops oj had had some big drops you know bobo's not reliable scotty's not completely reliable um Cam, you know, he's good, but again, the tight ends have kind of been uh, a disappearing act. They kind of reappear every once in a while for a cameo appearance, but for the most part, they're kind of uh, an afterthought in this season. Who's been your consistent? Chris Godwin's been your consistent. Now he's in double coverage. I got it. I kind of feel like the ball was a little bit late. I also kind of felt like Chris was a little bit lazy in his break. I feel like if you go back and watch that play, that Chris kind of rounded out his out, uh, his out route, rounded out his out route, if you can follow me on that. When he made the break, you know, he didn't make it flat. He didn't make it sharp. He kind of rounded the break. And I get it. It's late in the game. You're getting your butt kicked as a team. Everybody's tired. Everybody's human, right? So Chris is is not, you know, impervious to flaw and to error. And he's probably the third or fourth read, not expecting the ball. I get it. But, all right, the best in the game, you talk about your Jerry Rice, you talk about those guys, every single rep. And Ron Rivera himself talked about this with the Panthers offense and some of the improvements they've seen since Kyle Allen came in where they had a play where, 
uh, Curtis Samuel was 100% a decoy. Like there was basically zero. He was not even in the read progression in that play. Like his, his job was to clear out space for DJ Moore. But he ran that decoy route so well and with so much effort that it cleared out even better than they expected it to. DJ Moore took that pass uh, and and did some good things with it. This was before the Buccaneers game, the second Buccaneers game. Um, so just talking about things like that, you know what I mean? Like even if the ball is not supposed to come to you, make that break. I got it. You're tired. You're getting beat up. Um, I think it was after he was shaken up that this happened. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but not not throwing shade. But again, it is what it is. You know, it's a fact of the play that maybe if Chris makes his break a little bit sharper, comes back to the ball a little bit more. You know, maybe if the ball gets out a little bit uh, earlier as well, then that interception doesn't happen. But again, it's fourth down. I mean, you're you're not. You know, it's it's either a first down or an incompletion, or or you know, if it's incompletion, it's a turnover. It's just what kind of turnover is it? So in, at that point, it's not that it's not a negative. It's just, eh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much I really put weight on that. And then the last interception, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's 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 garbage time. And I've heard or I've seen some people on social media talking about kind of all the yards and, and all that stuff. And like, yeah, but all those having a garbage time when the Panthers are in prevent and da 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 that doesn't count. You know, we're not going to give credit for that because that doesn't count. Well, if you're not going to give credit – during garbage time for positives like yards gained and all that, then it's not really fair to then sit there and say, oh, that garbage time interception that happened with less than a minute on the clock in a two-score game, that counts. That's, you know what I mean? So that's kind of just where I sit on those. Again, uh, much to learn there. But I want to talk about the defense for a minute, and I literally mean a minute because I want to get over to our guest uh, and get the show rolling, which if you read the uh, title, you already know who it is. I don't know why I'm trying to be all mysterious about it. But anyway... Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, right? Much maligned defense, the much criticized defense, the the defense that's worse in the league. Listen, uh, 268 total yards of offense, and I understand that some of these drives, especially after these interceptions, started with a short field anyway. But the Carolina Panthers had 14 total possessions. If I counted correctly, they had 14, or no, it was 15 total possessions. And that's not counting the last drive, the last possession, quote-unquote, of the first half where they did the weird uh, field goal try. And the last drive of the game, the last possession of the game, where they just killed the clock. So not counting those two drives, the Carolina Panthers had 15 possessions. 11 times the Tampa Bay Buccaneers prevented the Carolina Panthers from moving the ball 20 yards, more than 20 yards. That's pretty good. You know what I mean? And I understand, uh, you know, it's Kyle Allen, but this is still Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, under 100 yards of total offense. Kyle Allen, less than 250 yards of, of total passing yards. This game was not lost. I think most of us would agree with this, that this game was not lost on defense. It was lost on special teams. It was lost on offense. It was lost on turnovers, right? Uh, period, point blank. It was lost on turnovers. Even with Mike Evans' drop, even with Mike Evans' drop later, even with O.J. Howard's drop, even with uh, you know all that stuff, if, if the first pass of the game is intercepted, if the first pass of that other drive is intercepted, if Bobo doesn't fumble two punts and then lose one, so on and so forth, this game could – could uh, potentially end up different. Um, I know that at least uh, some people out there agree. Scott, uh, who's coming up here in a minute, definitely agrees. So there's kind of my thoughts in a nutshell. We've got a lot of voicemails, so we'll get a little bit deeper as we get into the week. Uh, James and I are going to answer some of those voicemails for our Friday episode. Again, usually by now we're moving on to the next opponent, but it is a bye week, so we have some time. But guys, we want to know your ideas as well. So moving forward, you know, if you're sending voicemails, we'd like to hear your ideas for the future. What do you want to see out of this team? Um, do you feel like it's time to pack it in and prepare for the draft, or do you feel like there's still a season worth salvaging here? 
What are your thoughts on Jameis Winston? Obviously, like we said before the season, everything's going to start and end with the Buccaneers of Jameis Winston. And that's you know never been more true than right now. So obviously, everybody has their thoughts on Jameis. So if you haven't already sent in our thought, your thoughts on that, please go ahead and do so. Uh, most of you already have the number. But just in case you are new to the show, if you are, thanks for listening. Um, the number is 813-444-5841. So please go ahead and call in with your questions, with your comments, with your concerns. Yeah, but you know what? Without further ado, let's take a really quick commercial break. Sorry for those of you who can't, you know, fast forward or, or whatever, but we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to let the sponsors, let the people who pay the bills keep the lights on, get their message out to you. And then we are going to be right back with Scott Reynolds of Pewter Report. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, guys, as promised, joining me now is Scott Reynolds. Of course, you all know him and all the guys over at the Pewter Report. Scott, uh, thank you so much for joining me. How was your trip uh, to London? You get to experience some London rain, which is kind of uh, to be expected, kind of par for the course over there. But um, uh, weather was, was otherwise good, just uh, some, some sprinkles, uh, not really the torrential downpours that we get here in Tampa when it rains. So it was just a light rain. You got to see a lot of the sights. It's a beautiful city. Got to meet a lot of great Buck fans, and um, uh, it was really great kickoff, you know. And then, <laughs> and, and the Buccaneers um, first pass on with James Wentz for an interception. Uh, it just went downhill fast, and it was really unfortunate because they were looking not only for their first home win of the year, but also their first win across the pond. They were over three now in London. And I think more importantly, they wanted to get uh, back into the winning column. To um, to avoid back to back losses and uh, and a two and four start, but that's where they are right now. Kind of an interesting situation how they could have gotten both their first home win and overseas win all at the same time. But yeah, you're exactly right. Now coming into two games that a lot of people I think looked at as winnable in Tennessee and with Arizona coming to town uh, after Seattle, you basically have to win those games to even have a chance of being at 500 or better uh, going into the the final stretch of the season. Of course, Seattle sandwiched in the middle there which is going to be a tough a tough contest and scott that's basically what we're doing here uh you know just like most of us are just kind of looking at what's already happened um in the first six weeks of the year and then what that means moving forward and today as we're recording uh yesterday as people are listening to this the buccaneers made some moves already which you predicted 
um, on, on your website on on Pewter Report that there would be some moves made. The team releasing yeah. Bobo Wilson, Devontae Bond, uh, Damone Harris. I'm not ever sure if I say that right. And Darius Jackson. Yeah. What are your thoughts on those moves? I'm sure you saw at least one of those coming, if not more. Yeah, certainly the, the Bobo Wilson. And I asked the Brucerians after in London uh, about Bobo Wilson's uh, fumble plum return. And, but even more so, just the lack of production. I mean, he's only averaging 3.3 yards per return. So even when he did catch it, he was doing nothing with it. And, uh, and and Bruce kind of that's that's really kind of telling. And and the reason why I kind of sense that coming is because Bruce Arians has got to start shaking some things up. There is some complacency that is setting in uh, with this team, unfortunately. And I think you saw it right from the with Mike Evans, just seemed lackadaisical in his efforts to try to catch Jameis Winston's first pass. And and this team as a whole has got to show more sense, yeah, not just the. The, the the grunt players like Bobo Wilson, those are the guys you can cut to try to send a message. And Bruce did that. But guys with C's in their chest, you know, I mean, uh, uh, James Winston, Mike Evans, Marpet, Ali Marpet, give up the first sack to Gerald McCoy. Got beat one on one. If you want to give up your stars, got to be stars. They got shine. And they're capable of going out to LA and, and beat a, a pretty good Rams team. Rams are nearly as good as they were a year ago, but they're still a quality team, and that was a quality win. But um, there just has got to be some kind of sense of urgency on this team. And it's got to start from the top down. And I think that Bruce Arians almost kind of sensed this was coming a little bit because in a press conference that he said prior to this game, after the loss um, in New Orleans, he said, well, we're going to see how, how, uh, you know, how good our leadership is. Because uh, if you've got great leadership, you don't lose back-to-back games. And you could almost just kind of sense this was coming. And Bruce was, was a little leery and wary of it because he made that remark. And it's kind of telling because at Monday's press conference, um, he said, what has to change? Well, we, we got to prepare better. And uh, I just think there's got to be a greater sense of urgency shown from top down. And, um, and also that starts with Jameis Winston. He cannot have any more games like this. He is going to play himself right out of Tampa. And he is going to end up being a backup in this league uh, sooner rather than later, if that's the case. Yeah, a lot of valid points. And I think, and I, I'm going to ask you this next question. I think you kind of already answered a little bit, but I just want to confirm. I mean, do you think that, because there's some people that are already on this boat a little bit, that the time is up for James, that this is just kind of that reaff- reaffirmation of what he is and what he's been in his career and that he's not going to get any better, even with a guy like Bruce Arians, even with a guy like Byron Leftwich, who played the position and can speak the lingo from an experience standpoint. Do you think that this last game in London was it? I know Bruce is saying that it's not, and but you know if there's more, maybe I'll get worried. But do you just from covering this team and from looking from looking from the mm-hmm. inside and seeing the locker room, do you think it's it, or do you still think like I know basically the way I can put it is, does this quarterback have more space on his accountability sheet than everybody else? Yeah, I think so. Just set up that way from the start. I mean, Blaine Gabbert was the backup, and they didn't really have anybody that was going to challenge maybe Winston's year. To rise or fall, and they're going to give him this year. And so this this team could very well be five again or six and ten. If it is Winston's gone. Uh, they're going to give him the year, and uh, it doesn't mean we're not going to see Ryan Griffin at some point in time. Because if if it looks like it's going to be five and eleven, what's the difference between five, eleven and seven and nine? I mean, you're not going to the playoffs either way. It's probably a high round draft pick. If, if you are. And if your record is going to be five and eleven, or seven, Jameis Winston's probably 
not only a culprit in this two and four start, does that maybe more blame sometimes and all those interceptions weren't his fault. But at the same time, you don't see Drew Brees. Those are upper echelon quarterbacks. And, and maybe that's a high standard, but when you're drafting a quarterback first overall, so in my opinion, they're going to give him more leeway. If this type of game, is try Ryan Griffin because he's got to try something. He wants to win as many games as possible. And Bruce is going to rest his reputation on the fact that he can. But if Jameis doesn't cooperate to what you're trying to whisper in his ear as the quarterback whisperer, then he's a lost cause. So ultimately, the, the decisions that the James make their decisions on the field. He doesn't take the coaching and the, and the tutelage and still tries to be Superman uh, and revert back to that style of play. And we're going to see Ryan Griffin rather than Yeah, and there and there, Scott. There are a lot of people out there, especially on Twitter, who are talking about you know Ryan Griffin bringing him in. He can't do worse, and and so on and so forth. But then there's also the other side of the coin that says that uh, you know Bruce came in and and it's kind of. As time goes, we've kind of learned there's actually multiple reasons why he took this job. He's He's gone on record saying that being able to bring Byron left, which was part of his decision to come back, working with Jameis was part of his decision, working with Jason yeah. uh, Jason Light was part of his reason. So he really had a lot of reasons. They all just kind of fell into place. But, I mean, do you – like a lot of people kind of just think that, that Bruce is here to essentially see if he can fix Jameis and that at least this year it's Jameis or nothing. Do you really believe that – I mean – Obviously, you're never going to say never. Like I don't think anybody could say that Bruce Arians will never bench Jameis Winston. But how much do you think? Like one more game, two more games like this before we see Ryan Griffin, or or, or do yeah. you think that it could go all year? Yeah, I think one more game like this, uh, you have to because again, you know, trust, loyalty, and respect are his three things. You can't trust your coach if you're telling everybody to be accountable. Then your quarterback, nobody's above the law. Does the quarterback? the potential franchise quarterback that has a first-round draft pick. Uh, it's not like everybody's treated fairly at one buck place. Bobo Wilson didn't make the only mistake on Sunday, but he was the low man in the football. So I think when we get to 10 games in with six games left, then you're going to give Bruce no choice but to move on from you. You're on your third head coach. So at some point in time, he's going to have to surrender his instincts. Yeah, and Scott, um, so our signal is is gradually getting worse and worse. So I don't want to keep you on the phone for like 15 more minutes and then not be able to use uh, the rest of what you were saying. I definitely picked up what you were just saying. So let me ask you one more question, and then uh, for the sake of not wasting your time, um, I'm gonna I'll let you get off of here. So okay. In your in your recent uh, in one of your recent uh, articles on Pewter Report, you predicted that changes were going to come in the buy. Obviously, we've had some more. Uh, we're early in the bye. You know, obviously they still have a whole other week to potentially make more moves. Do you feel like this is it? Do you feel like maybe, you know, obviously a couple of of, of counter moves to bring some players back, maybe JPP, maybe, you know, Jack Sitchie comes back, or do you think that we're in store for something even bigger? Well, I mean, Jack Sitchie's still on the roster. He's just injured, so they don't have to make a roster move there. It's not like he has to be activated. It's just when he gets healthy, he can uh, play. But JPP will need another um, – they will have to have a roster spot open for him to eventually come back. It's 21 days to activate him. And so he's going to be out there practicing uh, with the team and testing that neck. And and if he, gets, uh, if he gets the green light, I would imagine the Buccaneers being two and four and needing a spark, any way they can get it, will certainly activate him as soon as possible. I don't know that there's going to be some other moves per se. Uh, Again, a lot of the guys that screw up starters, guys that have C's on their chest. And uh, Jason Light is always going to be looking for, for available guys. I have put out there this team should trade for Patrick Peterson. 
I still think he has uh, several years left that, that could be beneficial, not just for the Buccaneers, but for this young cornerback room. I don't think that Vernon Hargraves has done anything to warrant investing $9 million in. If you're going to pay Patrick Peterson $12 million next year, I'd, you know, I'd free up the $9 million that's allocated right now for Vernon Hargraves and give that plus three more million to a player like Patrick Peterson. I think that he comes with Pro Bowl credentials, with the um, uh, with the, with the, the past um, uh, understanding of the fact that he's going to help mentor some of the young guys. I mean, Vernon's in no position to mentor young guys. He doesn't have enough credibility or credentials. I like Vernon. He's a good guy. I think he got up to a good start in the games, but he's just not a starting caliber, especially a sh- one corner. And this team desperately needs one. And um, I would just rather see this team invest in a proven player like Peterson than not. Um, you know, I, I've, I've heard through some sources in London that the, the, the Cardinals are going to trade for. You know, if they do, it's going to take two number ones. But if I'm Bruce and I'm Jason, I would try to get on a conference call with Steve Kime and beat him up a little bit, get the price down to maybe a one in a three or something like that. And, and expect to feel like something happened because I think that that uh, in this division especially, uh, and keep in mind that the Falcons might be down right now. They might even be worse than the Buccaneers. They still down to Calvin Ridley. And uh, just because the Falcons may be in a little bit more of a dire situation than the Buccaneers, doesn't mean the Falcons can't sweep the Bucs they did last year. Um, I, I would anticipate both Julio and Calvin having big days against this Bucs secondary. And you got to face the Saints again with Drew Brees when he gets back. You know, Byron, if, uh, if um, Teddy Bridgewater put up 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns, would he throw three or four touchdowns against I think Brees could probably do that too. So I do think that, that, that they need to get healthy on the offensive line with Kappa and Dotsa back as soon as possible. But more importantly, the problems on the defensive side aren't going to go away in the secondary. And I think that the making a trade for Patrick Peterson would help, but I just don't see it coming to fruition. And Scott, I know that James and I and a lot of us over Bucks Nation are, are definitely big fans of bringing Pat P over uh, to Tampa. And as we're talking, Jalen Ramsey's just been traded to the Rams. Uh, so yeah. any Buccaneers fans that were hoping, holding out hope that Jalen Ramsey was going to get traded to Tampa Bay, yep. that is now off the table. Those people should now jump onto the table with us uh, and, and get on yep. the Pat P train. Hopefully we see that happen. Um, yeah, but the, Scott, the Jalen Ramsey trade was, was never going to happen. They, they didn't right. have any interest in cheating, trading for Jalen Ramsey for two reasons. Number one, they didn't feel he is a very good locker room guy. He's mm-hmm. not a team guy. He's a selfish player. And right now, uh, despite the school four record, there's no assholes on this team. They, they're they're pretty much pulling for each other. They're they're uh, it, it's a it's a, as good of a team from a character standpoint as I've seen in quite some time. There's no Chris Akers. There's no Deshaun Jacksons on this team, um, and, and that's a good thing. I think that will help this team stick together through some of these challenges that they're having right now. But um, a guy like Patrick Peterson adds to your locker room. A guy like Jalen Ramsey uh, would have taken away from that. Plus, this guy wants to be the highest paid corner in, in the league. And um, it, I think he's an upper echelon corner. I don't necessarily think he's against the money. So, And I'm, I, would be, I would be concerned, given some of his antics, to pay him that money. And then you might see maybe some leveling off of his play or maybe in his play that would, that would make you regret paying him that money. So while this team does need a shutdown corner, 
I was glad to see we're not interested in Jalen Ramsey, but I do think they should fire up some interest in Patrick Peterson. Most definitely, Scott. Couldn't agree more with everything that you just said, and uh, glad, happy to hear it. Hopefully, you know, for all of our sakes, hopefully it works out because obviously it's a lot more fun to cover a winning team than it is to cover a losing team. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but Scott, uh, greatly appreciate you joining us. I know James was incredibly uh, upset when his schedule got flipped upside down. He couldn't jump on uh, to talk with you. He was extremely excited when I told him you were coming on. And hopefully uh, later on in the year, and then especially obviously as we get towards the offseason, uh, we can talk to yeah, you Yeah, we'll again. do it again. Awesome. I uh, greatly appreciate it. Scott Reynolds, everybody uh, from the Pew Report. You know him. You love him. I don't need to tell you to go follow him because you already do, and I don't need to tell you to read his stuff because you already do. We all do. So, uh, Scott, thank you very much, and enjoy the rest of your week and your bye week. Greatly appreciate it, David. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to doing it. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate this offer. That's promo code Locked On. L O C K E D O N. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, guys. So uh, once again, a special thanks to Scott Reynolds of the Pew Report for joining me uh, for today's episode. Again, uh, as you guys probably noticed, some of the audio was a little uh, a little lesser quality than we like to have. There was something wrong. With the connection that Scott and I had while we were recording, I don't know really what happened, to be quite honest with you. But I didn't want to keep Scott on and continue having our signal degrade. So unfortunately, we had to cut the conversation short. We had much more to talk about. And honestly, uh, I had to to remove probably about four minutes total of conversation that Scott and I did have, which was great stuff, guys. You're just going to take my word for it. I mean, you you guys know Scott's work and those, those guys over at Peter Reports. So I'm sure you believe me. I uh, wish I could share that with you, of course. But unfortunately, technology is what it is. And sometimes it just doesn't want to dance with us uh, when we when we call it out. But in case somehow you are not one of the thirty three and a half thousand followers they have on Twitter and patrons that they have come to their website and listen to the Pewter Nation podcast, let me share this information with you. You can follow Scott Reynolds at Pewter Report on Twitter. That's his Twitter account. That's the Twitter account that he mans. Uh, he and he and those guys over there. That's him over there so if you want to talk to him over there that's how you find him. And then of course pewterreport.com is where you can go find all their content and then pewter nation is their podcast if you want to search that and then of course after you're done listening to the lockdown books podcast of course go over and listen to those guys uh scott trevor mark cook uh matt and taylor all are all doing a great job of course uh, i love having those guys on the show whenever we can and we look forward to having more of them on the show or multiple times for the rest of the season and then of course in the off season again but for now, we're going to go ahead and get off of here. Guys, thanks for joining me again. Of course, I hope you have a safe rest of your Wednesday and, of course, the rest of your week. James is going to be back for our Thursday episode. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to miss another one this week uh, because duty calls. However, James and I should be back for Friday. So uh, get those voicemails in. If you got them, we've already got a handful of them. We're going to get to as many as we can. I might even talk James into doing a double episode so we can do them all. We'll just kind of see how time and health and everything else 
uh, plays along. Uh, either way, we appreciate your guys' interaction. We appreciate the voicemails. We appreciate all of your thoughts, questions, concerns. Uh, by all means, keep them coming. Just try to keep them clean. And, of course, try to keep them around a minute so that we can get even more of them in. Your fellow listeners would appreciate it. We would appreciate it because we like to share as many thoughts as we can from you guys out there. Until next time, until the next time we speak again, thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On